The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Isaiah chapter 9? And we've been doing the series in December on the heart of Christmas, and we've been talking about the names of Jesus. And, and so three weeks back, the first Sunday, we talked about Emmanuel, his name Emmanuel, God with us. Then last week, we talked about his name being Wonderful Counselor, the one who guides us through life. And then today, I'm going to be talking about Mighty God, that's his name. And then on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we're going to do another two names of Jesus and just finish off the month of December just focusing in on Jesus because for us Christmas is all about Jesus. So Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, in other words the rulership, the reign, will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Incidentally, in the original Hebrew, there's no comma between wonderful and counselor. It's just, it's an adjective and a noun. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I want to talk to you this morning about his name being mighty God. What a wonderful thing it is to understand that the name of Jesus is mighty God. Now, you got to, what you understand is this, is that Christmas for us Christians, is about this word that we call the incarnation. The incarnation literally means God becoming man. And so when Jesus was born, it's not just a baby that was born, it was God that came into this world. And Isaiah prophesies that his name was going to be Mighty God. Then Paul in Titus uh, puts emphasis on this when he describes Jesus as in Titus chapter 2 verse 13 as our great God and Savior. How wonderful is that? Just describing Jesus as our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the description. So Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Just make it really clear. Christian doctrine does not say that Jesus was 50% God and 50% man. He was fully God, 100% God. He was fully man, 100% man. This is the paradox that so many people struggle with, that the Bible is full of paradox. And for us to understand Christian doctrine, we've got to understand paradox. And paradox is where there's two truths that seem opposed to each other, but you have to join them together as one. Fully God, fully man. Again, our doctrine of God, the three in one. One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, for people that don't understand paradox, they struggle with that. But for us, it's faith. It's like God is big. God is huge. Can you really put him in a box? He's much bigger than any box that you can put him in. But the joy of Christmas is this focus that God came to this world to visit us. And we talked about Emmanuel. God came to be with us. What a wonderful thing it is that God wants to be with us. Then last week, we saw wonderful counsel, the God that wants to guide us 
through life. And now we have the mighty God. And mighty God, if you look into the original scriptures where Isaiah was written, it was written in the Hebrew language. It, it uses the word El Gibor. El Gibor, mighty God. And to get a direct translation of El Gibor is the word the champion. He is our champion. He is the one that stands between us and our oppressors and defends us. And this morning, I want to give you the revelation of God, the champion, the one who brings life, the one who defends you from death, the one who's come all the way from heaven to give you life and life eternal. What a wonderful thing it is. Do you know that sometimes we have champions in our life that actually defend us and we're not appreciative of this because we're in, in, in a bit of a stupor. Uh, I remember it was, clear, it was Christmas season, December 2010. And it was that week between Christmas and New Year. And I wanted to have a bit of downtime with my son, Steve. We both ride motorbikes. And uh, we decided that we'd take a day and go for a bit of a ride. And we had lunch together. And uh, we went up to North Head. And on the way back, um, I was riding in front. And uh, this lady did a U-turn right in front of me. And to avoid an accident, I put the bike down and just basically had a crash. I fell off my motorbike. Now, now, those of you that ride motorbikes, you know that you have at least one of these. So I've done mine. It's over and done with. Now I will live for eternity. That's okay. But, uh, but anyway, so I crash. I fall. And, um, and uh, the crash literally happened in front of Manly Hospital. We're talking outside of the front door of Manly Hospital. If you're ever going to have a bike crash, can I just say... You can't, can't find a better place to crash than in front of Manly Hospital. Anyway, so, um, so I injured myself. I actually broke my collarbone and fractured some ribs. No, I'm, I'm better now, seriously. I am. I am much better now. You can see that I'm not limping. I, I'm not, you know, quincing. I, I, it's, it's okay. But what they did is that they sent an ambulance from the back door to the front door. And so it was like... Um, we're here to take, I said, I think I can walk into the hospital. It's just there. I said, yeah, it is too. Okay. Um, so anyway, I went in there and they just running around and, and you know, patching me up and everything. They gave me some uh, painkiller injections. And then, and then one of my sons phoned up my wife and gave her the news. Your husband has just had a motorbike accident. Now, let me tell you that Anne's biggest nightmare, she won't even... Anne has never been on my motorbike, ever, ever. Uh, she won't even ride behind or in front of me because one of her biggest fears is me coming off. And so when she got the call, she rushed to the hospital and she found that I was still in one piece and she didn't have to claim the insurance. It's fine. But um, anyway, to cut a long story short, they were about to discharge me. And as they were about to discharge me, I got off the bed and what happened was that the whole room started spinning. And uh, my, my blood pressure dropped to dangerous levels. All the beepers that I was attached to started to go bang, bang, bang. And what we discovered was that 
the medication that they'd given me I was allergic to and I was going into some sort of uh, arrest or whatever it was. And uh, this doctor came and she immediately took control of the situation and gave me some other medication. And within a few minutes, she'd saved my life. And um, so, Anne, and to this day, her stress was not me falling over the motorbike, was that one incident where, you know, my world was just spinning and I was about to leave this planet. And a doctor came in. And you know what? To this day, I don't even know that doctor's name. You know, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about that and I thought, that doctor actually saved my life. And I didn't even know her name. I just know that it was a woman. I mean, I wasn't in a very good state at the time, please. So, uh, but, um, but as far as she was concerned, get hold of this. As far as she was concerned, that was her job, to save people's lives. And I took the gift, walked away, and didn't give it a second thought because I was in so much pain. And I thought, that you know, that's exactly what happens with Jesus. He came into the world to save our lives, and so many of us just take it for granted, hardly know what he came to do. Just take it for granted. Then then the other aspect is that some of us actually misinterpret what God has come to do. So many people don't see God as the Savior, the mighty God Savior, but actually see him as the punisher. Have you ever invited anybody to church and their first response is, oh, go to church. Oh, no, no, the, the, the roof would cave in on top of me. How many, how many of you had someone say that? Well, this is my answer. Are you ready for this? I was involved in designing our church. We actually put extra steel into it so that it wouldn't collapse on people like you. So you are more than welcome to come. And and seriously, we have not yet had it happen. It has not fallen on anybody. How many of you think... I'm going to take that response now and say our pastor actually designed the church just for you so that the roof would not collapse on your head. Okay, so, but, but you know, this is the issue that they misrepresent God. They see God as the punisher rather than the savior. How many of you know the Bible doesn't say, hey, today in the city of David, joy to the world, for unto us this day is born our punisher. Is that what it says, the Christmas story? Joy to the world, for unto us in the city of David is born our Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, just recently I heard a story of of a car being stolen in America, and you say, well, what's news about that? Cars get stolen all the time. Well, what was unique about this car being stolen was that the owner of the car had a bit of a rat problem in his home. And so he decided that what he would do is put rat poison into some biscuits and uh, be able to spread it in that. But he wasn't able to get to the house. He just had the rat poison in the biscuits on the front seat of the car that was stolen. Now you're laughing, but he wasn't laughing because he put the news out saying, so we've got to find the thief. We've got to find the car. So he started phoning up radio stations. He started phoning up the police. He started phoning up the fire brigade. He started phoning up everybody that he could think of. And to put the news story out, we've got to find this thief that stole my car. 
And so the guy's put on the radio and, and all of a sudden on the radio comes the announcement, this thief has stolen this car. We need to find him. We need to stop him. Now, he is absolutely paranoid because he thought the news was out to punish him. But in actual fact, the news went out to save his life, not to punish him. They wanted to find the thief, not to put him into jail, but to save his life. And you know what? There's a lot of people in this world to this day that are running away from Jesus. They're running away from the Savior because someone has told them he's not the Savior, he's the punisher. But he didn't come to punish, he came to save. He came to save that which was lost. And once your perception of him changes, then rather than running away from him, you'll find yourself running to him saying, I'm here, would you save me? And that's what he's come to do. He's come to save you from your sins. He is mighty God. Mighty, everybody say mighty God. See, some people say, well, he's a, mighty, he's a mighty teacher. That's what Jesus did. He taught, he taught some good things. Some people say, well, well, he's a mighty good person. He did a lot of good things. Some people say, well, he's a mighty good philosopher. He, he, he was actually able to give some very nice impressions about what life is all about. But the Bible doesn't describe him as mighty teacher or mighty good person, or mighty philosopher. The Bible describes him as mighty God. And what a difference it is to have him as mighty God. He is the mighty God. Let me give you a second point that I want to make, is that mighty God, because he's mighty God, he can actually turn the impossible into possible. How many of you are facing an impossible situation? Some of you have just this past week heard news that is a heartbreaking news story. Some of you might have been to the doctor and the doctor gave you some, some diagnosis about your health and prognosis about your health that is not good news. Some of you might have got uh, uh, you know, a letter from a solicitor saying that someone wants to divorce from your life or wants to you know, sue you or, or, or do something shocking in your situation. And, and so often we face impossible situations. Can, can I give you this word of encouragement that mighty God has come to turn your impossible into possible? What you think is impossible to him is possible. Matter of fact, it was, it was Mary when, when, when she was told that God was going to use her to bring forth this baby and she couldn't work it out. But she made this statement in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. She couldn't work it out, but this is what she said, with God, nothing will be impossible. The virgin shall bring forth a baby. She couldn't understand it, but all she understood is this, that with God, nothing will be impossible. Can we say that together? Can we quote what Mary quoted nine months before Christmas morning, 2,000 years ago, after three, one, two, three, for with God, nothing will be impossible. I want you to look at your situation and begin to quote that into your situation. For with God, nothing will be impossible because he's mighty God and mighty God will bring about the impossible in your situation. I love this verse in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. It says, Ah, Lord God, 
I, I even like the beginning of that verse. Ah, Lord God. How many think that's a wonderful word, ah? I need to preach a sermon just on the word ah. Because it makes you feel so good when you get an ah. Ah, Lord God. Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. I need for you to speak that into your life. There is nothing too hard for you. Because some of you are looking at your situation and saying, no, that's, that's pretty hard. And it might be hard for you, but it's not hard for God. It might be hard for the people around you, but it's not too hard for God. For with men, things might seem impossible, but not with God. For to him, nothing is impossible and you need to get hold of that situation that with God, whatever you're facing is possible. See, God can get that visa for you. God can get that work permit for you. God can get your family here from overseas. God can do that. And I look around at people that are here. I, I, you know, just, just one of our families, he was living here for ages. His wife and his kids were in China. And, and now I see them all together as a family. That was impossible. But with God, he makes all things possible. You know, I look, I look at John Golder sitting on the third row and, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer, but here he is on the third road today, well and healthy and just a breakthrough in his life. I love that. See, what people consider impossible is possible for God. He is the mighty God. And you've got to see this, that your Christmas gift that was given to you from heaven is mighty God came into your situation. Uh, you want some more as mighty God he has the last word I love this he has the last word you know Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 Revelation is uh, a, a revelation of Jesus not as a baby but as mighty God and so this is, this is the thing, is that at Christmas, we only get a picture of this little baby in a manger, but this little baby didn't stay a baby. He grew up, he became a man. And, uh, and in Revelation, uh, Jesus is not revealed as a baby, but the mighty God whose eyes are like a flame of fire, whose, whose voice is like the sound of many waters. Uh, uh, how many of you know that this is a different, different manifestation and revelation of God? And this is what it says in Revelation 1 verse 8. It says, I am the Alpha and Omega. So two words are used. And these two words are from the Greek alphabet. And again, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament written in Greek. And so those that reading knew the Greek alphabet. And it's like the A and the Z. The Alpha, the first, and the Omega, the last. He says, I am the first, I am the last. I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Can I just say this, that he is the one who has the last word in your situation. You know, come on, some of you need to stop listening to all the voices that are speaking into your life because everybody has an opinion everybody has a thought about your life. Everybody's got something to say. But here's the word for you. 
Turn your ears off to all the people that are opposing and start to tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Begin to look for that last word in your situation because that last word does not come from people. It comes from Almighty God, from Mighty God. He is the first. He is the last. He has the last word to say in your situation. See, there's a lot of arrogance that goes on in this world. And you know what? I'm not afraid of the arrogance, but there is a lot of arrogance. It makes me mad. I mean, when I, sometimes I've got to turn off the media because it's just so arrogant. It's so arrogant. Little people in little boxes with little thoughts making opinions about the universe. And how many of you know that the universe is... God is outside of the universe. He's bigger than the universe. He's bigger than time and mass. He's bigger than that. And he has the last word in all these things. And so what's fascinating is this, is that, is that people in power can get incredibly arrogant because they think they have the last word. They think they have the last word. And, and, and you know what I find fascinating? I find fascinating that when Jesus walked this planet, the Roman Empire was the most powerful force in the world. Here's a question for you now. Where's the Roman Empire now? The best we can talk about is Italy. And I tell you, if they go to war, they're not going to do too well. Uh, I mean, when it comes to cars, they're not doing too bad with the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis. Alfa Romeo, who knows? But anyway, we won't even go there, okay? Uh, clothes, fantastic. Italians, you know, and clothes. But when it comes to world domination, you wouldn't say, maybe with their food they might dominate, but then the Asians have got a few things to say about that, especially since they invented spaghetti. Did you know that? Marco Polo brought it from China. Now, the Italians perfected it. Let me just add that to it. Uh, because you don't go to China to eat spaghetti, you go to Italy to speak spaghetti, but they have noodles and that's okay, but it's not quite... Anyway, I'm, I'll get myself into trouble, so I'll just back away very, very slowly from that. And just begin to say, here's the Roman Empire in the days of Jesus, thinking they were all powerful. People like Pontius Pilate thought he was all powerful. Life and death is in my hands. But you know what I find fascinating about Pontius Pilate? Is that what he is known for now... He is known for the one who crucified Jesus. So, so, you know, the Apostles' Creed has two humans mentioned in the Apostles' Creed. It has the humility of the Virgin Mary, and then it talks about the arrogance of Pontius Pilate. It talks about Jesus who suffered under Pontius Pilate. And so he's this man who thought he was all-powerful at the time, who could crucify anybody that he wanted to, and at the end of the day... The last word was said, and Pontius Pilate comes out looking like a fool for all of eternity. The one who had the power to crucify Jesus throughout eternity in the Apostles' Creed is known as the fool who caused the King of Glory to be suffered. And he tried to wash his hands from that, but he couldn't wash his hands. Why? Because Jesus has the last word in your situation. Doctors don't have the last word. Your boss doesn't have the last word. The government doesn't have the last word. ISIS does not have the last word. God Almighty has the last word. And for that, you ought to give him a shout of praise. (laughs) 
I want to tell you, mighty God's at work in your life right now. He's at work in your life right now. You might not see it, but he's at work in your life right now. It's not over. The last word has not been said. It's not over. You're going through a journey, but the last word has not been spoken in your situation. God will vindicate the righteous. I want to finish this morning with point number four. The mighty God, he's our champion. I love this. Because that's what El Gabor means. It means he's our champion. And when Jesus was released into his ministry at 30 years of age, he started his ministry. He was the champion. He was the champion to people. I mean, when you, when you look at what Jesus did, what a champion he was. You know, you've got to understand the culture of the day. And in the culture of the day, men were honored, but women were dishonored. Women, women were seen as just second-class citizens. Not only were women seen as second-class citizens, but also children were seen as second-class citizens. They were be seen and not heard. And just until you get to a particular age, you're, you're nothing. You know, basically, they were just put down. And not only that, but the infirm were also seen as second-class citizens. And so there were certain sicknesses, like leprosy, where you, you had to be totally isolated from people. And, um, and even women at a particular time of month when, you know, they were ostracized, they were put aside from community. And what we see is Jesus is the champion of these people. I mean, one of the stories that really impacts my life is the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. Not the man who was caught in adultery. Again, you know, it's the woman. And so, so they already had the stones to kill this woman. They were going to throw stones at her and kill her. It was, it was part of their culture that if someone is caught in the act of adultery, the, mo, the Mosaic law says you can stone, you can throw stones until this person dies. And you know what? This is still practiced in many parts of the world, but not with Christians. It's not practiced with Christians. And because Jesus came and changed everything. And what he did in this case is that he stood between the woman and the oppressors. He stood there in the middle. And his, his attitude was, okay, so you said that this is the law, but, but okay, you, you righteous people, the person without sin, you be the first to cast a stone. He stood there as her champion. And the Bible says that one by one, they all left until all that was left was this woman who definitely was a sinner, who definitely had done something wrong, and her champion, the Lord Jesus. And you know, his response to her, he says, hey, so, so where are your accusers? Where are the people that were accusing you? And she goes, they're, they're all gone. And actually, there was one person there who could have accused her if he wanted to, and he was still there, but he didn't. He just reached out to her in love and said, I don't accuse you, but don't go and sin anymore. Just have a clean break from this. Start again. In gratitude, I'm adding this to your champion, who's the mighty God. What an incredible story that is. Then there's another story. Here's Jesus having dinner at Simon the Pharisee's place. And so Simon and all of his mates 
are at this dinner that they put for Jesus. And who should barge in but the woman who was renowned as being the biggest sinner in that town. We don't know what sin she committed. We don't know what type of sinner she was, but she was known as the biggest sinner in the city. And so, but, but this was the day of, 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 of her feeling remorse and feeling pain for her sin. And the Bible tells us that she was just so remorseful that all she could do was weep on the feet of Jesus, bathing his feet with her tears. And, and here are the accusers all sitting on the other side and Jesus standing in between. Can you see this picture? Jesus standing in between the champion, the mighty God. And here they are throwing accusations and Jesus defending her. Hey, Simon, you know, I came into your home and, and my feet were dirty, but nobody did anything to, to clean my feet. Nobody kissed me. And this woman has not stopped kissing me and cleaning my feet. Hey, you know what? When, when it comes to, to forgiveness of sins, who, who would love the most? The one that was forgiven a little bit or the one that would be forgiven a lot? Well, let me tell you, this woman whose sins are many are now forgiven. Rise and go home forgiven. The champion, Jesus, the champion, the defender. Come on, if he can do it for these people that were classified, that were classified as sinners, that were classified as lawbreakers, if he could show grace to them, how much more grace will he show you? If he can be their champion, he's going to be your champion. Why? Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. He is the champion. Oh, I can go on and on and on, on and on and on. I I love it when the, the children wanted to be blessed by Jesus, but the disciples, the disciples, not even the bad guys, the disciples who were supposed to be the good guys ended up becoming the bad guys because it was their culture. Go away, go away. We got important people for Jesus to deal with, not the little kids. You guys are really low on the chain. You're really low. And 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 what was Jesus' attitude? Whoa! Let the little children come to me. He was their champion. Picked them up, put them on his knee, and just blessed them. He was the champion of the children. He was the champion of the sinners. And I'll, I'll never forget when a leper came to him. A leper. They they were considered the outcasts. That matter of fact, the lepers had to literally call themselves unclean. If someone came close to them, they had to literally say, I'm unclean, don't come close. How many of you think that that would be discrimination in our politically correct culture? Don't come close to me, I'm unclean. But that was the way they lived life. Don't come close to me. We live in a colony of others similar to us. And yet they had enough bravery to... to to pursue their champion because they'd heard that Jesus was the champion of the lepers. And in Mark chapter 1, this leper comes to Jesus around the area of Galilee, just with with intimidation, not knowing if he was going to get the same response from Jesus as he was getting from other people. Stay away from me. Don't come close to me. You're unclean. I'm clean. You're unrighteous. I'm righteous. You're lower caste. I'm higher caste. No, no, Jesus, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can cleanse me. You have the power. You're the mighty God. 
And the Bible says Jesus moved with compassion. Something happened in his heart. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the enemy. And Jesus saw that that leprosy, that sin, that condemnation was all works of the enemy. He came to destroy that and be the champion of the underdog, be the champion of the oppressed, be the champion of the person stuck in impossibility, stuck in in isolation, to be the champion and connect them. And the Bible says Jesus moved with compassion, reached out, touched him, set him free, released him. Oh, let me tell you something. That so moved me. That so moved me that, that when I was going to India to do ministry trips there and do evangelism there, when the lepers would come, I would literally hug the lepers. And it caused so much turmoil amongst my Indian pastor friends that this Australian pastor would not only just touch the lepers, but hug them. I kind of felt these people have been so isolated, they haven't received a hug forever. How many of you know that I'm a hugger from way back? How many of you know that this is an Italian hugger? And I kind of felt if anybody needs a hug from anybody, it's these lepers. And you know what my attitude was? I'm not going to catch leprosy from them. They're going to catch healing from me because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I wanted them to catch something from me. So many of us, we walk in fear. Oh no, oh no, I don't want to catch anything from you. I don't want to catch anything from you. Well, then you don't believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Because if you believe that Jesus, mighty God, lives inside of you, then you are contagious goodness, not contagious badness. And someone's going to catch something mighty from your life. Come on, I'm preaching myself happy here. Can anybody agree with me today? Glory to God. Oh. Oh man, I tell you, I could go on and on and on, but my time is up. I want to finish, Lee, if you can come forward by saying this. As mighty God, he is our champion. But I want to bring it right down to as mighty God, he wants to be your champion. He wants to be my champion, my champion. I want everybody to say, Jesus wants to be my champion. Jesus wants to be your champion. You're here today, and some of you are just facing just some insurmountable odds. Some of you are facing bankruptcy, some of you are facing divorce. Some of you are facing breakdowns. Some of you have literally contemplated suicide this past week. But Jesus did not come to take away your life. He came to give you life. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. See, he's your champion. 2,000 years ago, well, in actual fact, this scripture that I started off with in Isaiah That was written 2,800 years ago. That his name would be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And Mighty God wants to break into your world. See, some of you, you've got a theological understanding of God. You've got a theological understanding of Jesus. But today, that needs to change and become a personal understanding. See, some of you can answer the theological questions about Jesus, but today you need to open up your heart and just bring everything down to 
He's my saviour. He's my champion. He's come for me. I'm the person in need. I'm the person suffering. I'm the person that's facing this insurmountable mountain, this insurmountable giant, this insurmountable storm that just wants to swallow me up. Jesus says, I want to stand between you and that giant. I want to stand between you and that storm. I want to stand between you and that oppressor. I want to be there for you to defend you and to be your champion. And today, his arms are outstretched. And this is the question, will you let Jesus be your champion? Well, today, will you open up your heart and let him right into the center of your being so he can be what he prophesied that he would be, mighty God in your situation? Let's bow our heads for a Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.